whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Underground. SEA Whiskey Underground. We're here tonight to, to relax and enjoy some of the finest man-made creations on earth. Whiskey. Brent. Scott, what's happening, my man? Sound a little hoarse, but I feel great. You know why? Because I'm down here in the speakeasy. Uh, you, you sound hoarse. I'm a little nasally. I don't think I'm a little stop, stopped up, but I think it's, uh, you know, the temperature and the humidity down here in the basement and the speakeasy is going to clear us right up, especially because we're drinking the, the nectar of the gods, right? Exactly, and I know there's a there's a MD or pseudo-MD that would highly recommend uh, whiskey as the cure for anything. Ah, I'm, I'm with you. Trossel, I don't disagree tr- with him. Trossel MD would probably tell you yes. Exactly. So tonight, as we uh, as we start our new season of BSEA Whiskey Underground, season two, which is ran a little bit longer than a full year, uh, we are going to be exploring different types of whiskey, uh, different things. We'll have uh, what I'm really excited for is our series uh, of Bond related whiskeys starting in uh, February. We're going so, to uh, we're going to explore the world of whiskey and through James Bond's eyes. So we're doing that kind of based on the new release, right? Yes. That's that's coming out. Um, Bond other than, 25. Uh, other than that, we'll have um, a little bit more lax, I guess, schedule, but a little bit more congruency per episode. So each episode will be based on a type or a category or a theme or um, whatnot, right, Scott? So yeah. Um, so we'll we'll be doing some rye whiskey nights. Uh, we're gonna have some Canadian whiskey. Some uh, uh, some Tennessee whiskey, and then we're gonna do a couple of a couple of episodes based on a barrel aging experiment that we've been doing here down in the Speakeasy. It's uh, it's exciting. Uh, we're gonna be doing some Japanese whiskey, which we have not really done too much of on the show. I don't I, I don't know if we've talked about Japanese much at all, which is one of the hottest hottest categories right now. I know it, it, it's weird. It's like. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a couple of years ago, Japanese whiskey got super hot. Yeah. And, and it, 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 they can't keep it off the shelves. I mean, they literally can't keep it stocked. Uh, age statements are gone. It, it's kind of weird. So we'll, we'll explore that when yep. we come to it. But tonight, tonight we're going to be drinking um, one of the older distilleries in Scotland, uh, the Balvenie. Now, we drank one of these earlier, uh, about a year ago. So we're going to revisit... The 14-year-old Caribbean cask, and this is all about double casking. So we're talking about double casking tonight. And the other one we're going to be drinking is the Balvenie Doublewood 17. Both of these, both of these whiskeys start with a whiskey or an ex-bourbon barrel. So both of these start in an ex-bourbon barrel, and then are uh, transferred uh, sometime through its distillation process or its uh, aging process to a, a second cask. Now, the Caribbean cask, obviously, 
that that's going to go to a rum cast because Caribbean rum. That's what you right. do. So and, I, and and from what I hear, the only reason it, it, in it's only labeled a Caribbean cask in the U.S. What's it labeled in uh, Scotland? Cuban cask. Uh, oh, nice. So it's the same cask, but obviously for for obvious reasons, they don't call it a Cuban cask for the American import. But right. this, is, this is a Cuban rum cask finished uh, scotch. So for so, the international import, you would see it labeled as a Cuban a Cuban cask, or it would have some nod to Cuban Havana cask or so, something. Right. But you don't you don't see that. Uh, in the American, the American version um, of of this. So, Scott, real quick question too, um, not to tangent too much, but so you you stated both of these start off in ex bourbon cask, and I know we've talked about that a lot before. Is it just that much cheaper for Scotland to import ex bourbon cask than to buy new cask from European nations? Is there not a cooperage? That's making these casks. Now, I know obviously ex bourbon cask, American oak, that would be something that would probably have to be imported anyway uh, to be made into cask in Europe. Why do you, why do you think that we're buying used cask at a, at a renowned distillery like the Balvini um, that you obviously know has got more money they know what to probably do with? Why are they going this direction? Well, I, I, I think. And one of the biggest reasons is, is you're right, cost-effectiveness. Bourbon can only be aged in new charred American oak. Once it is, once that cask is used, Jack Daniels can't refill their casks. You know why? Because then it ain't bourbon. Well, uh, you know, Jack Daniels doesn't call it bourbon, but everybody else. Right. But Jack Daniels still only use first-time fill. I get what you're right. saying. So same, they, same, they same not, scenario, but yeah, same so thing. Buffalo, they only use a barrel Trace. one time, and and it, and it's gone. So what what are you gonna do with all this stuff? Now, Jack Daniels reuses their cast sometimes for firewood, but a lot of their cast they will ship off to Scotland because Scotland is traditionally aged in ex-bourbon cast to start. So traditional whiskey cast, it's usually white American oak that has been charred, filled up with bourbon for some time, drained, shipped off to Scotland, and then they refill and they, they refill it with a first fill usually, and then they'll refill it over and over again. Because Scotland doesn't have that requirement, it's got to be new charred, or it's got to be recharred, or it's got to be first fill or second fill. None of that matters for Scotland. So really, it's it's kind of a, well, we can get this for cheap, because what else are they going to do with it? They're going to destroy these casks. So why not let's, let's pay them, or let's partner up with uh, Jim Beam, or let's partner up with Buffalo Trace and take their casks from them when they're all said and done with them. Yeah, and, and then we'll these, these, for these, these bourbon companies, they're probably... Um, alleviating half or more of the price of the cast. They pay X dollars. Let's just say it's, it cost them 200 bucks to make a, to make a barrel and they're selling these things for a hundred bucks on the used market yeah. or whatever. So they're cutting their barrel costs down mm-hmm. by just flipping these things and shit. We honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they even tell you this, but they may be making a fucking premium on these things. Some of them once, I mean, I can, I can guarantee you a pappy barrel is selling for more once Pappy oh, used yeah. in it, in it, than what it was as a raw as a raw barrel, right? And you got to oh, yeah, think absolutely. probably the same probably rings true for some of these other companies as well. They're probably getting a premium once they age their their whiskey in it versus when it was brand when it was brand new. Yeah, I mean I could see Jack Daniels. They, I mean, 
Jack Daniels is, is probably bottling who fucking knows how many barrels a day. So they're spitting out barrels left and right. Oh, the yeah. Value, and the value of that barrel in the secondary market is probably not more than the cost of the barrel. Um, but maybe, fuck, maybe they're breaking even. Who, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, so this is um, the Balvenie owned by William Grant & Sons. Uh, the first one we're going to be drinking, let's, let's pour it while we talk about it. Uh, the Balvenie 14 year old Caribbean cask. Uh, now, this, as Brant said, is aged for 14 years in uh, ex whiskey barrels, ex bourbon barrels, and then finished in rum barrels. Not aged longer, but finished. So, probably six to eight months. Uh, it doesn't actually say how long, but I would imagine uh, usually a final maturation period of, of probably six to eight months. Because it doesn't take much for a barrel to impart flavors. Onto, yeah, correct. I mean, at least, at least three, at least three months, and it's probably, you know, probably good. Um, yeah. I'm sure somewhere in my in my training, I learned what the what the finishing was on this, but for the life of me, I I, I, am, I imagine can't it's something owned by William Grant, so it's probably Sailor Jerry or Old Vada Demerara. Uh, um, I would actually think it is probably. Uh, well, if it's if it's truly Cuban, it's probably none of the above. But William Grant owns their their biggest is Florida Kenya. Okay, so probably that one. So Florida Kenya's got some twenty five year aged uh, rums. So those those barrels would probably lend a pretty hefty rum note to these guys. So. This one started. You know, this was started by uh, malt master David Stewart, who uh, who started filling these um, these taking the uh, American oak cask and then blending them with rum. So he got this idea to blend rum with whiskey, and then he's like, "Okay, wait a minute. Let me try this. Let me put the whiskey in the rum barrels and see how that works out." So. On the on the nose, this one is really rich. It is, you could tell, you could get the rum sugar notes in here. I'm trying to see if I have notes on this. We drank this with, um, I want to say, oh, that was with the Pikes Creek. We we had this with. Yeah, we were talking about. Um, we're talking about run finished with uh, Mary Oceaneer. Yes, yes. I'm trying to see if I if I took notes on this. I'm not sure if I did. Consult my master list here. David Stewart, master blender, huh? started with William and Grant in 1962. So he's been around a while. As an apprentice in 1962. That's pretty crazy. So apprentice for 12 years and became the master, malt master in 74. So that means he has been so 45 years. He's been the malt master at at Balvini. Yeah, he's been he's been making whiskey at, at Balvini for almost 50 years. This yeah. one, uh, so I do have my notes on this. This one, um, on second note, still rich, still sweet and creamy toffee. Um. The malt's there. I, I smell more of the malt. See, I, I I feel like this has got a more tamed malt. I feel like this is less... So, um, William Grant's 
Scotch counterpart is Glenfiddich, right? And we had a couple Glenfiddichs before, and they are so green apple fruit forward. Oh yeah, I I don't catch that with this. No, there's no. I got a little stopped up, you know, a little more more congested today, but I'm I'm not catching green fruit. I mean, I have light fruit, but I have see, I have some dark fruits in there. I have some like plum. Yeah. I don't. There is no green fruit on this one. This one. This one's honey, malt, and toffee. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. That's pretty much on, on it. A little bit of citrus, H- not much. Just a tiny bit of like orange zest, or li- no lime zest. It's hard to tell. There's a little bit of citrus notes there, that's coming out from the rum. But I think the dark fruits is that dark molasses that rum really imparts onto the barrel. And so, yeah. And I, I, so, I get more of that darkness to it. Good color. By I get way. I get deep I get deep and darker too versus versus light and green. So just another thing I was just just thinking. Talk about Dave Stewart. So you got to think 2019 releases of 50 year Balvini. He was there when they laid this oh, yeah. down. Yeah, when they released Balvenie Fifty, he was there when it was when it was barreled. Late. That is that is mind mind blowing, mind blowing. And Balvenie, you know, Balvenie has a 30, 30, 40, and fifty. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, a Balvenie, a Balvenie thirty from 2019 would be his juice. Yep, and he's still All the master. Stuff. He's still the master dis- distiller. All right, let's taste some of this again. Let's do it. This is the perfect, perfect Mm. example of anybody that wants to know what finishing can do to a whiskey because I think first sip out the gate, front of the tongue, that brown sugar. Oh, yeah. That brown sugar molasses rum is just so much on the forefront, on the front, front. Absolutely. My first note is mouthfeel, brown sugar, oily, creamy. And you get that yeah. allspice, um, that uh, that kind of like uh, allspice note that you get from like jerk chicken in the back end of it. That because it, it's a long finish, it, it's got raisins like golden raisins. It's got some nice spice that allspice, and it's got a really really vanilla richness to the back end of it. That is that is an excellent whiskey. I think I rated it a little too high the first time I tried it, because uh, we'll get to that in a second. But this is a this is a nice a nice smooth whiskey. It does have a it does have a peppery spice to the back end, and that I think, as I taste it again, is where the ex bourbon barrels really shine through. It gives it that that peppery note to it, and that's the yeah the original the original aging for mm-hmm. sure. Because you still get a bit of oak. The more you drink it, you still get a bit of that that uh, nice oak flavor. Um, but it's really it's it's actually kind of a longer finish than I would expect. It is longer than it, it is definitely a longer finish than I than I for, expected. Um, yeah, for something I, barreled. I, for something that bottled at 43%. 
I still nothing. can't get it over the over the initial brown sugar, dry mouth. Yeah, first dry mouth, first taste is mm. is fantastic. That is really good. I love how creamy it is. Yeah, uh. I like this. Now this this is obviously won uh, some pretty hefty awards. It's gotten double gold uh, before. I don't know if they've gotten it recently, but they've definitely won double gold at San Francisco uh, Wine Festival. Or San Francisco Spirits Festival. The Catalina um, Wine Mixer. Catalina Wine Mixer. Hey, so another, and I knew this, and it didn't until I read it, didn't strike, strike me, but um, Dave Stewart's biggest claim to fame. What's that? Oh, pitching, inv- wait, wait, pitching for the 1989 yeah. FNAs? <laughs> David Stewart, right? Um, he invented double double maturation. He Did invented he, really? dub, he invented the double the two cask maturation. So he, wow. he invented he invented finishing. Yeah. So in the 1980s, he came out with uh, a finished whiskey, and it was basically the Balvenie Double Wood 12 that we know. Which is, that which know is their today. most their most award winning. Uh, finish, right. So, um, he also created the Glenfiddich Solera Reserve 15. By um, the way, that which was the whiskey. first whiskey. Was the first whiskey to use a wine finishing method. The Solera to, Vat, correct. Which was which was previously done in in wine um, and sherry. Sher- sherry basically yeah. is almost all sherry is Solera vatted, and what that basically means is that. There's a there's a big vat, and as it empties, you refill it, and as that empties, you refill that, and as that empties, you refill that. So you only you only empty it halfway, and then you refill it with new new spirit. So it kind of um, keeps the aging going and it marries the flavors nicely. That Glenfiddich 15 Solera, we'll have to try that on the show uh, sometime this year, is probably the best bang for your buck that you will find. In most Scotch whiskey, yeah. So he also did the first blends and finishes in ale and sherry cask. So first sherry cask was was Dave Dave Stewart. That's pretty. So I have I have Dave to thank for everything that is good in life. I mean, sherry cask finished whiskeys. When you when you think about what is popular and copied today, I mean. It's, yeah, cherry finished whiskeys. Yeah, I mean, take take ten seconds and name me a, a, a Scotch company that doesn't age in sherry or finish in uh, or finish in sherry. Yeah, I don't I don't think right. I can. Yeah, I mean, Ma- maybe na- name somebody that doesn't have. Pro- well, you probably can, but na- you know, a company that doesn't have at least one double barreled product. Oh, that's none, none. Every I mean, almost, I would I would. Hazard a guess to say that every single distillery in Scotland has finishes some sort of at, double at barrel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, pretty bad. Pretty badass. Speaking oh, of dude. that, oh wait, you got, we got we got to rank this. All right. So originally, back on um, episode six, I think it was. I yeah, gave I lo- this a I 90. lost. I lost that book, so I don't have my rank. Yeah. Well, that. no, no, it's in the Maldives. It's in the Maldives, yeah. Jeeves got pissed and threw it, threw it overboard. 
uh, on, on the yacht. Um, I gave this a 90 originally. I, I got to bring it back down to earth because I do love this whiskey. I really do. But I think after second tasting and more time to appreciate this whiskey, because um, I think half half the bottle is, is gone here. I think I'm going to rate this still pretty high, but at an 87. I, I think it drops down a couple points. It is a very, very fine whiskey. By no means is it bad. But I want to just keep it real, because in the 90 range, I've rated some others that are that I think are a little bit better. And that being um, Colonel E.H. Taylor, uh, Weller 107 Antique, uh, Dalmore 15, I think is better than this. Uh, Jefferson's Ocean 14, Lagavulin 16, all 90s. So I think I'm going to bring this back down to an 87. And that's and that's where I'll stand with it. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm digging back to kind of get my, my setting here to... When I look at things that I ranked, like I know I like, even though it's petered and crazy. I mean, Lagavulin 16, I ranked 87. Um, I mean, McAllen Rarecast 91. Those are some high, some high scotches. 86 for Port Charlotte, and those are peateds, which I usually would think I would not like, but those are some. I think some of the the, the finer peateds. This is definitely polar opposite from anything considered a peated. Uh, a peated scotch, right? I mean, this is like the most, this is on the smooth, this is beginner scotch, McAllen, oh, tw- t- McAllen 12, beginner scotch level uh, drinking, I, w- I would think, on the easier. It is, it is perfect for the beginner to get their way in scotch. If you've not had scotch before, scotch can be a little bit intimidating because it tends to be a little more complex than bourbon. There's a lot more flavors to it, and there's a little bit more smoke to it. This is a perfect entry into into Scotch. Now, where where were you at on the ranking? I, I call this an 87. Okay, I um, I'm I'm pretty pretty close. I'm I'm gonna say 85. Mm-hmm. Um. The only one, the only Scotch stuff put higher than this are like Rare Cask, and then the peated like Port Charlotte and Oh, that was good. Lagavulin sixteen, and those are just because they're a they're a shock to your taste buds. Right. Um, where I, where I feel this is is it's what it's what I expected, which I don't know why I'm penalizing it for what I expected, but for some for some reason it, it's almost like. What the label reads, it's too much of what the label reads. I think because it's it's pleasant, and it is it's not overly complex. It's not um, it's not complex at all. It is you, fucking you can, it is fucking rum finished. Yeah, scotch. The only the only thing I'm surprised in it's this delicious. Rum it is it is delicious. Is that there's no banana taste in here, like we got with I, yeah. the Pikes Creek. I definitely don't get banana. I don't get banana at all. This is more of the molasses of rum, uh, a spiced rum that you get in this. And that's why I'm not sure, I, I really don't know what barrels they age this in. But Sailor Jerry spiced rum sounds perfectly acceptable. But it, it's very good. It's very I don't good. Think that's, I don't think that's the one. Probably not. But I don't know. I'm going to send a quick, I'm going to send a quick 
late me- late night text message for an, for an answer on that and see if I get a response. But I, I just I, I don't know for some reason about it. it it's just it's it's a really safe, very yeah, yeah. comfortable. And I don't know why I'm kind of penalizing it for that. And I feel well, like an 85 is not penalized, but I mean I feel like no 85 is still a good whiskey. It, but it, you're right, it's safe, it's comfortable, it's not gonna it's not gonna turn anyone off of drinking more of this. In fact. I think once you drink it, you're going to want more of it because it is good. It's very good. Not great, but good. And that's why I had to bring it down a couple points as well. But, I mean, naturally, my scotch my scotch points are higher than your scotch points. That's just the way it goes because I do love always scotch. That's, that's always going to be the case. So my 85 is your 87 all day long. I, I, I think we're probably on the same wavelength here. Very good. Very safe. Now let's right. go to one of the crown jewels of their regular release, uh, the Balvenie Doublewood 17. Now this, uh, as Brant said, uh, Dave Stewart is is most notable for starting the Doublewood, the maturing in two distinct casks. And this one starts out in a uh, traditional uh, ex-bourbon cask and then goes to an European oak sherry cask. And... If anybody knows anything about me, I absolutely adore and love sherry finished whiskeys. So, so this one's a new rating for me. Is this the same? Is this the the same finishes? Same as, as the, the double twi- the twi- as a twelve year. Yep. Same as it's the literally just the exact same juice, exact same cask. Always just forget about it for five more years. Exactly. Um, let's 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 age it a little bit longer it's kind of a sibling um, and it shares a lot of the characteristics so characteristics let me ask you this do you, do you have a 12 year double wood I don't have one in front of I, me but you we, have one we do well we do in the in the. can you can you on your side of the table because I don't want to walk across can you compare the colors of those two for me hold on let me get it let me go to the bar and get it uh, ask Jeeves We'll, we'll drink it on another episode because, you know, we're, we're responsible here at BSEA. But right. comparing the colors. If you compare, it, if you compare this, uh, the same juice in, oh, my God, it's like transparent to opaque almost. Yeah. One is, I would say, golden. One is golden, and the other is almost mahogany. Uh, yeah. That's maybe a little bit lighter than mahogany, but I would say it's a good, it's a good tint of purple to it. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah. Well, and we'll taste the 12 on another episode, and we can compare those notes later on. But for this, the Double Wood 17 is, uh, like we said, it's it's one of the one of the tenets of Balvenie is to do the, the double maturing. And it goes for 17 years of age uh, total. So this one doesn't spend all 17 years in... The the uh, ex-bourbon cast like the Caribbean cast does. This one actually splits time between the two. So uh, this one, I believe, if my notes are correct, it is about tw- it is about 12 years in a um, in an ex-bourbon cast, and then five years in an ex-sherry cast. So this one takes a- and this is why it is a lot darker because that sherry gives it a darker flavor or darker color. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I know you recently picked up a couple bottles of sherry. 
just to taste what yes. sherry tastes like. I actually got a couple as well, and I haven't cracked one open just to taste it. Okay, it's, let's... It's, it's, <laughs> in America, it's most commonly used for cooking, right? Right. It's a because cooking wine. There, 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 are, there are many, many different types of sherry. And if you're just going to go into a liquor store and buy sherry, uh, be careful because you may pick up something that you have no idea what you're picking up. Methuselah, Pedro Jimenez, sherries are generally the sweeter, fruitier kind. Oloroso sherry, and this, and this is what I picked up a bottle of, was Oloroso sherry. It is generally nuttier. Uh, it tastes like um, almonds. It's got a very walnut, waxy flavor to it. It is. Uh, it takes a lot, a lot to get used to. <laughs> um, and I still can't really drink it. I'm not a big fan of it. However, Pedro Jimenez, these the fruitier sherries are absolutely exquisite. I've had those uh, at dinner, uh, after dinner, and and they're really, really good. So. I would highly recommend getting I those. I, I don't know what, not, which one I got, but I picked up something. I have to go. I'm look not a big fan of the Oloroso sherry, uh, and I got the I got the bottle of the Loose Dow because we have a bottle in the Speakeasy from Redbreast that is aged in Loose Dow sherry barrels. And generally, what happens with the whiskey to the sherry finishing is you take on those nutty flavors, and that blends perfectly with the fruitiness of a Scotch. So that's why they do it. I just wouldn't recommend drinking Oloroso sherry cask. Uh, straight up, sherry, straight up. Wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's considered. A, it's considered a. Is that considered a wine? It's a fortified wine. Fortified wine. Yeah, but it's really dry, and it's really. Um, so, but also a fortified wine. I I believe, in my trainings, a vermouth is also a fortified wine. Yes. So you're and I drinking. Would not, so, it would be like drinking a glass of vermouth. It's it's like drinking a glass of vermouth. If you've tried sweet vermouth, if you've tried dry vermouth, it's you know what? It's very very similar to a dry vermouth. It's very um, pungent. It is very difficult to drink neat, and that's why traditionally dry sherry is uh, used in cocktails, whereas um, fruity sherries are drank neat. So, like, when you see Mr. Banks pour his sherry at the end of the day, that's generally a uh, Pedro Jimenez uh, fruitier sherry. So, well, you, let's, let's pour some of this Balvenie 17. As Jeeves takes the 12 away. Well, I don't know why he's doing that. Because usually when I get drunk, I want to go back to the to, to 12, and I'll just polish it's, it it's off. Such a, it's such a good bottle. It really is. Honestly... For $51. Now, they've been doing the uh, the Double Wood for 25 years. This is the 25th anniversary that we have in the um, in the Speakeasy. It, it is one of the best bottles you will buy. 50, 50 to $51 per bottle. You will not go wrong in that. So, in the everyday lineup from Balvini. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple things in there that are quirky, but Double Woods, the 12, um, 14 Caribbean cask, 17 Double Wood. Well, take it back. There's a 15 share. Well, fuck. There's a 15. There, there's a bunch. Yeah. There's actually a 12 single barrel. There's yes. now a 12 American toasted Yes, barrel, I saw that. Which is brand new. 
Um, the 12 double wood, which we have in the speakeasy. The 14 Caribbean cask, which we have in the speakeasy. There's a 15 sherry cask. Yes. Single barrel. I think it's and a that's single only, barrel. That's only in sherry, uh, sherry barrels. Right. Top to so bottom. That, that spends years. no time in. Years. Yeah, that spends no time in bourbon. An ex bourbon. And then a 17 year double wood. But I think 12 year double. 14 and 17 are probably the, the most common progression. Yes. What's the what's the price point scale through through those? I mean, it's like you said, it's about 50 for the 12 double. About 50 for the 12. Um, is it in the, the 70, 70 range, yeah. 70 for the Caribbean. Uh, I yeah, want to say the 17 is around 189 now. It's up there. It's, I know it's a it's a. It's a jump up. I was gonna think it was probably in the one fifty ish range, I'm, but I'm pretty sure it's it's up there in price. It's um, a big, so it's a big jump to go to seventeen. One seventy two. There you go. Around there, so it's about about one hundred seventy bucks. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that fourteen years probably north of the seventies as well. It's that, that one's usually around like sixty five to seventy five dollars per per bottle. So, nose on this seventeen year. See, I get, I definitely get more malt. Oh yeah, barley. way more malt. Way more vanilla. Yeah. A little bit of the green apple that you see in most Scotch whiskeys. A little tiny hint of it, not a lot. It's overshadowed by good oak notes. And honey. Little bit of honey, and then on the like at the tail end, as you kind of lift your nose away, all of those dried sherry fruits really come to it. The black cherry, man. I I almost have like this cream. I don't know, kind of a weird. And that's and that's honestly what they call the sweet cherries is cream sherry. So when you see on the bottle it says cream sherry, do not think it's like a creamy, milky. Liqueur. It is fruity sherry. God, this is an absolute pleasure to sit and nose. Well, fuck. Let's quit nosing it. Get in it. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Fruit up front. Yes. The cherries there. The dried fruits there. All of that sherry goodness is right on the front. A little bit of the green apples, the tart apples, like Granny Smith, and then Brant, that creamy finish that you, that creaminess that you were talking about. Yeah, it's the right gra- there. The creamy grain, graham crackerish kind of thing, really, really comes to the to the palate. This has such a great mouthfeel when you're when you're, you know, moving it around your mouth. So yeah, it's got. Yeah, I mean it. Def. I mean, I don't know. For some reason, cream is definitely there. It's oh, it's totally there. Milk chocolate. Yeah, on the back, there's a little bit of like milk chocolate. Cakey, cakey, like, like tastes like white frosting, kind of. That's the. That's definitely the the sugary notes of it. Um, The finish is it. For a 17-year-old, what is this bottled at? 43%. Standard for Balvenie. 
it's a, I, I would love this to be a little higher proof and have a little more um, oiliness to it but it's 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 a good medium finish with a lot of those oak notes that, that shine through so I was gonna say oak hits me on the finish like pretty like pretty obvious oak yeah. finish and that's the and that's the difference is that the rum cask sugars mask that oak better than the sherry and the bourbon ones. This definitely has more oak to it. You know, we didn't do any of these with water. I want to. I, I I'm gonna pour just a little bit more of the Caribbean, and I'm gonna take another drink without water from the double wood. Mm. This is a really perfectly easy drinking aged whiskey. On the palate, the more I drink it, I get a little bit of like the, the nuttiness, some almond, uh, toasted almonds. And like that, again, that cream, that, re it, that creaminess really comes out nicely in this one. So this one... For me, is this is one that the I feel like the more the longer it sits in, the longer it sits in my mouth, and the longer I let it roll across my tongue, it develops. It's it's uh, first like for me, first roll across the tongue. It's kind of lackluster. It's it's a little thin, but as it hangs out. As it kind of sits in the tongue, as it kind of hangs out, you start getting that creaminess. There's a little spice. Oh, there's a lot of oak. The back, the back end, kind of has has that strong oak flavor to it. Um, you said this is probably at least 12 years in ex bourbon. I can kind of get some of that. I get some of that sweet oaked corn, like. More little graininess to the to the back end of this, um, but on the front, it's like when it hits you, when it hits you in the front, the front side, it's not as punchy and potent. It's very smooth and tame, and it, as it the longer it sits, it opens up. It gets bigger. It gets gets more robust. Gets more aromatic and and uh, detailed the longer it kind of sits on your tongue. Which see, and this is what I love if, for me. When I started drinking whiskey however many years ago, and I was a poor son of a bitch, I never would have thought of buying a mm -hmm. shot of this in a bar. But I wish I would have, because even with even with a untrained, unseasoned palate, you would be able to tell the age on this. This is this is to me is aging at its at its best. You'd be able to tell the age on this. You'd be able to tell uh, flavors and why this kind of is what it is yeah th I mean this is definitely uh, definitely a splurge to to buy a bottle of this I mean you're not gonna just be like oh let me just go pick up a bottle of Glen uh, or a Balvaney uh, 17 it, it's definitely a, a top shelf one um, very very good and I think what I what I like most about it is again Knowing what I know about the double wood, because I've had that in my 
own personal bar. We we have it here. It is a standard as far as sherry finished whiskeys go. Not something you're gonna ever. Uh, that that is a daily drinker. That is something you can enjoy on a daily basis and never get tired of. There is a bit more refineness to it. It is uh, the extra aging is definitely apparent in this one, and I like it a lot. But I don't know if it's worth the price jump. Hmm. I think I think for me this one is this one's more interesting on how it to me how it builds Oh it's way more interesting how it builds on the tongue. How it builds on the tongue to me is way more interesting than that the fourteen year Oh absolutely for for sure. The fourteen is very simplistic, very safe. This one has a lot more complexity. Because every like like you said, every time you taste it. You get just a hint of something else. Um, it the grows nuttiness, on you. The, the, the fats and the oils here mm. have just a good nuance to it. You know, different sweet fruits that you taste in this. The, the plums, the cherries. Like, there'll be one drink where you get plums, and the next drink you get cherries, and the next drink you get uh, the little bit of that tart green apple. It, it is definitely more complex. Very, very much like it, though. It's good stuff. So, for me, um, just the fact that this is one of the first whiskeys I've reviewed that I've put the word, like, icing, like, cream. You say cream, but, like, that that creamy flavor has come out to me in this. Um, I I love that. I I think it's, it's... complex it's unique it's got something different about it so um and i i get this at 88 i i think this is three points better than the than the 14 which is yeah. uh which is crazy because the 14 is probably one of the most popular balvinis but i think it's because it's most popular because of that that it's sweet a, sugary sugary finish and the price the, point the 14 is kind of a prime uh point between pricing and aging so you get a little bit more than 12 which I guess today people think is young for scotch because the, the most of them start at 12, which is stupid because 12 is a long freaking time to, sp- to spend in a barrel. I feel like most people drinking 12-year-old scotch have been drinking scotch for less than 12 years. Exactly. I so, mean, you think 14. about it, you, you, your, your career scotch drinkers are going out and trying to find these rare one-off. Now, if you're drinking yeah. in your living room by yourself, maybe, but I mean... If you're out for an, for an adventure, I mean, and you're a real scotch drinker, I mean, how, you're going to go to a bar and, and order, you're going to go to a scotch bar, Scott, you, yourself, that has right. a massive selection and order a 12-year anything? If, if I go out to a bar, if I, if I go to a regular bar, that is not a scotch bar. I'm not talking, or a I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking yeah. about you're going to your local sports pub. No, I'm talking about you're going to a bar that has a scotch selection. I'm I'm getting something that has a high age statement. Whatever whatever your budget for the night can you can get away with. Mm-hmm. You're getting. You're not getting a, tw- a twelve. No, no, you're not. No, because I can get the twelve at home. 
and that's you know, whether the, that's, it's whether it's McAllen twelve or Glenfiddich twelve or Glenlivet twelve, all fine whiskeys. I'm you know that's what you order at Applebee's. I'm trying to think. People think that it's a young age statement for Scotch, but I think that it's those really people not. that think that, as I'm saying, I think those people that think it's young aren't Scotch connoisseurs by any means. Because I mean, somebody that knows knows that 12 yeah. years in a barrel is a fucking long time. Um, this with water, don't yeah. recommend it. Don't recommend nope. it. I'm glad I didn't put water in mine. Mm-mm. It mellows it out a lot. Um, Brent, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you here. Uh, this one jumps up a little bit from the 14, not by much, but the double wood 17 gets an 89 for me. Still under a 90, but very, very good. Definitely enjoy it. It's a better. I, I mean, I really do. I really do enjoy the opulent um, dried fruits, the dark fruits in this. To me, this is a a classic sherry finished whiskey that. I, I definitely won't ever not have a bottle of, but it's not something I'm going to like pour on a Tuesday and drink by Correct. myself. Correct. You know what else I like about it? I mean, not that this fucking matters at all, but I liked it. It's got a, a maroon label. It sets itself apart from oh, yeah. the whole li- lineup. So if you if you do go into a bar and, and they have the Balvini lineup, the, the, the majority of them have that khaki tan label. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that 17 just sticks out like a sore thumb with that maroon maroon label on it. I don't know yeah. why they ch- why they chose that bottle or why they did it, but most of the other ones have that kind of khaki tan uh, label, and that 17 just sticks out. Yeah, and and you know what? It's all the bottles are the same. They've got kind of a um, you know a tall bottle with that. I, I call it the uh, the pot still or the uh, the column still neck because it kind of looks like a column still or a pot still or pot still is that what it is pot still yeah pot kind of a pot still it's got that kind of bubble yeah bubble in the in the neck um, to it but it reminds you of the still I mean, it's a very unique bottle it's got a it's and it's also got a flared lip lip well flared. Yeah. Uh, bottom like flared base to it too like the base gets a tad bit wider oh, yeah, right does. at, the, right at the, uh, the base there I feel like it's so you can pour it and it doesn't slip out your slip out your hand yeah that, I mean that, that makes base, sense but. it's got a it's got kind of a lip to grip while well, that ran yeah. too well uh, it's got a lip Oop. to grip while you pour it yeah so so yeah no very good good looking uh, package and I feel like this is um I tell people all the time you know, when, I, when I'm trying to sell this, this is, um, this should be thought of in the same breath as, as McAllen. We always Absolutely. talk about McAllen being like one of the finest scotches in the world. I mean, Balvini should be in the same, the same breath, um, as the, as those big, big boys. I, I don't um, disagree with you. And honestly, you know, I, you, you guys know. And Brant, you know, I love McAllen. McAllen benefits from a great marketing campaign. They really do. And Balvini kind of hides behind the scenes and kind of lets the whiskey do the talking. This is great whiskey. I do not. And look, we gave, we gave Balvini 14 and 85 and 80, uh, 87 and the Doublewood 88, 89. 
these are not bad whiskeys. These are really, really excellent whiskeys. You will not find a bad bottle of Balvenie. Promise you that. Nope. So I and I I when you know when I'm out in the market talking about it, it's like if Glenfiddich is Toyota, mm-hmm. Balvenie's Lexus. If, Absolutely. If, Glenn, if, if it's it's Honda, you know it's Honda and Acura. It's Nissan and and Infinity. You know they are so closely matched and and close together, but it's basically just one is that next. That level next up, level, yeah. That next, that next level up, that next step. They're yeah. related. They're family members, um, both under that that William Grant umbrella. But it's just that next level. Yeah. Um, and you know, legend has it part of this. This is part of the juice that's in Monkey Shoulder, which we've talked about before. But I don't think we've, have we tasted Monkey Shoulder on the show? Oh yeah, yeah. Way back on episode two. Way back. Way back. I've killed a lot of brain cells since then, Scott. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Monkey Shoulder, yeah, obviously, Balvenie is one of the components of Monkey Shoulder. It, yeah. uh, it's, all, it's, it's good scotch. It, it really is. It's really good scotch. So, if you have something from Balvenie in your, in your bar, um, pour, pour one out and share it on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash BSEA. Uh, is it just BSCA or BSCA podcast? I forget. Uh, I think if you search BSCA, you'll yeah. You'll if you find if it, you'll you find search BSCA, you'll find you'll find the Facebook group. But make sure you pour your Balvanian and show us what you have in your stock. Uh, the Peated Week that is an excellent bottle. If you like peated whiskeys, Balvanian does that does that one week per year where they peat their malt and then barrel it for I think what fourteen years. Yes, fourteen. It's got yeah. a 14 year label on it. Yep. Yeah, 14 years. The nice, I will say, the nice thing about Balvenie, everything has an age statement. They have not gone to the no age statement bullshit. Tis true. Not, not that, not that no age statement is crap because there are some really, really good no age statements that are coming out. Uh, McAllen's editions are one of them. It is, it is, but it is really refreshing to see a age statement whiskey on everything that they do. So, I applaud you, Balvenie. Yep, and if you see, and uh, if, if you've got just you know money you want to throw away, there uh, they just came out with a twenty-six uh, year old um, dark oak or dark origins. Very, very, very rare. Um, it's almost fucking black. The age on this uh, this whiskey, but it's probably going to be seven to nine hundred dollar bottle. Super, super rare. I think our territory got three bottles of this. Uh, this, but if you see it and you're one of those guys that's got to have an ultimate rare bottle, twenty six year Balvini is mega, mega ultra rare right now. Just, just came out. Just hit the market. Balvenie um, Dark Barley. The day of Dark, dark barley. barley. Dark Barley. There you go. Oh, boy. Dark Barley. So That, uh, that looks amazing, actually. Yeah. So, it's, uh, I, I know where a bottle's at. If you got the scratch and you want it, hit me up. I can procure one for you, but it's going to fucking cost you. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, this, this, is a, this is a close to $1,000 for a bottle. It's, clo- it's close to 1000 bucks for sure. Um, but, but Scott, 
Um, Balvini, all around badass, badass Scotch company. Um, I don't think they make a bad, no bad product. No, I absolutely don't. I I think they're they're really good. And like I said, share what your Balvini collection is. Share what you got at home, and certainly give your tasty notes on the the fourteen, the the double wood seventeen, or even the double wood twelve. And we'll we'll compare ours when we uh, when we finally sit down to drink that double wood twelve on the show. So, Brant, yes, uh, a lot of exciting things happening in BSEA. We're excited for the new season. We're excited for plenty of new uh, educational experiences uh, that we that we call them. When do you think this episode will be uh, will drop? Um, October, probably in the next week or so. Okay. Mid-October is just enough time for you to start putting money aside for rare bourbon season. November. It's fucking, it's fucking around the corner. It's yep. around the corner. The pappies, the pappies drop in November. Uh, Buffalo Trace Antique Collection it has, sh- it has started to uh, bottle. The samples have been shipped out to reviewers. We are, we are starting to see some really, really good reviews from Buffalo Trace Antique Collection this year. If you find one, if you're in a raffle, don't pass it up because they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be a really good year for Buffalo Trace. Yeah. Like I always tell people, if you, if you find one and you don't want it, just please email me, text me, yeah. something <laughs> like somebody get posted on the page. I mean, just don't stand in front of the shelf and take pictures of it and send it in BSEA till someone responds. And, and uh, guard it with your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or put it in your hand. Like, just hold it. Yeah. And walk around the store like you're lost. Yeah. Uh, but no, a um, couple things have already come and, come and gone. Um, I think Midnight Winners has been out for the year. The Highway Shippikaye. If you probably haven't, if you haven't got uh, Birthday Bourbon, it's probably gone. Uh, yeah, Birthday Bourbon's the, gone. The, Midwinter's... The big, the big dogs are still on the horizon. Yeah. For sure. Mid- Midwinter's released, I think, uh, two weeks ago or a week ago. And Birthday Bourbon was a month ago. So if that, if you haven't seen that on the shelves, that's probably gone. Uh, that's allocated pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, the big the big boys, the, the Pappy Collection, the Buffalo Trace Antique is on its way. Uh, stay tuned. See what we get this year. We've, Absolutely. We've got, we've got some to review. We will get into the George T. Staggs. Uh, we'll get into the William LaRue Weller. Uh, we did the Pappy Van Winkle a couple of, uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, and if you find one, be sure to share it. You know, make sure <laughs> make sure you take that home safely. Buckle it up. Uh, treat it like your firstborn son. Yes. So Scott. Good to be back in the speakeasy. It is. It is always good to be back in the speakeasy. So, I'm going to leave you guys with our club mission statement, and uh, look forward to much of the new season coming up. We'll do. We'll still do the short pours. We're going to still uh, drink plenty of whiskey during the uh, during the year. We and we'll will, try to try to guide you on uh, what we're going to be drinking next. Yeah, we'll, we'll put we some posts. We'll put some posts in the Facebook group. I think uh, we do know our next episode. It is going to be. Uh, some old Forester, so we're going to be drinking two. We're going to be drinking two awesome whiskeys that Brent and I uh, 
have really, really enjoyed over the last year since they started releasing this, this uh, uh, what do they call this, like the Heritage Series or something like that? Uh, the Crafts, so I've heard it, it's, it's officially labeled, I think, the Crafts Series, but uh, people also call it the Whiskey Row Series. Okay, um, that's what, yeah, that's I, what it is, Whiskey Row. I, I like to call it, it's, it is the history of early early 20th century bourbon. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. So we're going to be drinking um, Old Forester's 1910 Old Fine Whiskey and 1920 Prohibition Style Whiskey. So those two... The Prohibition style, I think you can find pretty regularly. Uh, 1910 is started to re-release, so that it, it's going to be a little tough. But it's it's been re-released as a as a uh, uh, a new set. So if you can find it, grab. Trust me, grab bottles of both. You're not going to regret it. Yeah, all the 1910 you can find. Oh yes, yeah. You just scoop them up and take them home. Yep. I personally have two bottles because they're all coming home. <laughs> I hate you. One, one to show, one to go. That's it, baby. So, as we finish up tonight's episode, I want to leave you with our club mission statement. If you came here to learn, drink what you learn. If you came here to share, share what you drink. If you came here a stranger, may you exit a friend. And if you came here for adventure, drink, drink up. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everyone.